Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of March 4th through 10th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Hey. And Ben LeMoreau. What is up? This is a busy week, so we have a bit of a shorter show for you than usual, but nonetheless, it is jam-packed with news. We've got some news from some indies, Splatoon Amiibo, Donkey Kong Country, Xenoblade, Dragon Quest, Smash Bros, Virtual Console, New 3DS, oh my god, there's so much. But as always, we are more than ready to break it down for you guys. So, let's jump in. This is a bit of a weird way to start the podcast, but Shovel Knight is coming to Xbox One, featuring the NES classic Battletoads as guest characters. Battletoads was made by Rareware, so now that Rare is owned by Microsoft, the Battletoads are Microsoft IP, and so it, it makes sense to for them to be the Xbox-exclusive Shovel Knight content, uh, much like Kratos is for PlayStation owners. It looks like Kratos and Battletoads are going to be map boss fights, kind of like the Hammer Bros fights from Mario 3. Map boss fights were featured in the original Shovel Knight. But the reason that we're talking about this is that of the three main hardware companies, Nintendo is the only one who now does not have exclusive content for Shovel Knight, except for, you know, like having the entire game like a year early. <laughs> um, but the point is that Nintendo may actually get exclusive content for the game sometime in the future. So Yacht Club said on Twitter that they would love to see that happen and they will keep looking out for an opportunity. Uh, so I don't know if you guys... Uh, if you two have any thoughts on this, uh, you know, what I'm curious to see is like whether they would develop original exclusive content or make exclusive content based on Nintendo IP like we've seen with Microsoft and Sony. Um, I know that Nintendo's planning on licensing their IP a lot more, but I'm still kind of concerned that like it won't happen. Um, that's just like a, a gut feeling thing for me. Uh, when you say you're concerned that it won't happen, what do you mean exactly? Oh, I, I just mean I, I'm I'm concerned that Nintendo wouldn't be interesting interested in licensing their characters to um, like an indie studio for this kind of thing. Yeah, we've seen them do it with some bigger companies, but is Yacht Club popular enough yet that they would do it? Right. Is the question. And I'm, I don't know specifically what exactly I mean by that. That's why I kind of said you know it's it's like a gut feeling thing that I I feel like Nintendo wouldn't be responsive to that idea. I think you're right in the sense that uh, if if they're going to be licensing out IP, it'll probably be done at NCL, the Japan headquarters, and not out of the American branch, at least right. for video games. I think the the American branch would be more than have more than enough freedom to do things like licensing TV shows. But when you start to get into video games, uh, the the headquarters is probably going to want more control. And I don't know. I think I agree with Ben. I think uh, they probably wouldn't be very open to licensing out to right. some Western indie studio. Right. Yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. That's that is exactly what it because Japan doesn't really have the same uh, shovel knight enthusiasm that America does. Um, now, Nintendo of Japan surely doesn't know w what an important game Shovel Knight is to Western audiences. So yeah, they've been very turned off to kind of Western trends. They like to kind of do their own thing and focus on Japan-centric trends. Right. Uh, but you know, if they do get like some Nintendo characters for Shovel Knight, um, I think it'd be pretty cool to maybe fight Link uh, based on his appearance in Zelda Two. You know, have some like similar moves because um, Shovel Knight is so heavily inspired by that game. You know. I don't know. Uh, maybe not, and, and maybe this is this is just uh, skepticism on uh, uh, following up your skepticism on whether Nintendo would put their own characters in it. But I could see as a Nintendo exclusive uh, content, I could see Capcom bringing the classic Mega Man to the table as a Nintendo exclusive thing. 
Uh, they've been very uh, willing to share classic Mega Man with Nintendo fans, you know, Smash Bros being the case in point. So, and, and especially since Shovel Knight is so inspired by not just Zelda 2, but Mega Man also with the uh, the enemy knights, uh, I could see Mega Man being a really good fit. That would be pretty cool. Um, I don't know that they would do that just because uh, Capcom, you know, isn't a first party company for for Nintendo. And so I feel like if there were like Mega Knight, Mega Knight. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. But if there were Mega Man DLC, um, I feel like it would not be exclusive to Nintendo. That way Capcom could monetize it on all platforms, as is the Capcom way. Well, if it was really the Capcom way, then it would already be in the game and we'd just have to pay (laughs) (laughs) off. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, But you know who would really be more perfect? Who? Meta Knight. Meta Knight? Yeah, you know, he's like a knight and stuff. And uh, really? I also feel like... (laughs) <laughs> but I also feel like Meta Knight, um, he fu- the way he fights in the Kirby games are just a perfect fit for the playstyle of Shovel Knight, too. Yeah, and the art style of the older Kirby games really goes hand-in-hand hand with yeah. Shovel Knight also. Uh, you know, there are just a lot of reasons that I feel like that character would do so well. It, it well he has would, all this, it would he has all this newfound popularity in it. That'd be a good way to kind of spread that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And another thing to note is with them putting exclusive content on Nintendo, that would be, you know, they'd have to work out some kind of deal and it would have to be something that they would think is worth it and everything. Whereas, I don't know about in the case of Sony, but in the case of Microsoft, Microsoft actually said that if an indie game is released on some other platform and then that developer wants to bring it to Xbox at a later date, they have to put in exclusive content to make it worth the wait. So in the case of the Battletoads... Coming to the Xbox One Did version Microsoft of it, that was, that say was worth the wait? Because the Battletoads are not worth the wait. That wasn't their exact <laughs> phrasing. I think it was something like, they have to put in some extra content right. for our customers right. or something well, like that. I mean, yeah, basically. Let's just be honest. Anything they say that has to do with Rare is never worth the wait. Ooh, this Battletoads thing. Fired. This battle would you say it's thing. rarely worth the wait? <laughs> I would say they use Rare. Rarely... You're done, Colin. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, uh, like at least for Meta Knight, um, that's a second-party IP for Nintendo. So you know, we were talking about like Japan, you know, not really being all that interested in in the licensing. Uh, and so, because it's a second-party IP, and that's also in Japan, I feel like it's even less likely, even than someone like Link or maybe Samus or something. Yeah, I think the only way that they do it is if they can use it as a amiibo selling point. Which would be too bad if it were Meta Knight that made it in, because let's just be honest: who's going to have a Meta Knight amiibo? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'd be a that'd be a, a sort of two pronged revenue stream for them. Even if they just fund the thing, they'd still be making money off amiibo sales, right? But uh, you know, even if they don't make a cut of the DLC sales, well, a lot of people would have a Meta Knight amiibo if nintendo made enough of them well I, yeah and that was kind of the idea <laughs> yeah uh yeah. you know link link would be the logical choice because people might actually buy that one right. people might actually be able to buy that one uh speaking of indie games octodad dadliest catch is coming to wii u later this summer uh the only reason i bring this up is just because it's just one of the goofiest most amusing games i've ever played and you all listening need to give it a try ben alex i don't know if you guys have played it but it is so funny it's so good I've watched it played, but I haven't played it myself. Oh, it's 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 just such such a wacky game. Is he an octopus? Is he a dad? <laughs> Who knows? A retailer in South Africa had Splatoon Amiibo available for pre-order. They had a listing for an Inkling boy, an Inkling girl, and a squid. 
Uh, they later took the listing down, but then a retailer in South America put them up for pre-order as well. Since these events, Splatoon has gone on the eShop listed in the Amiibo category for games that support Amiibo. So this begs the question, is Splatoon getting some Amiibo? Uh, maybe it's just gonna support other Amiibo? What do you guys think? Well, I mean, on the subject of the leak, uh, so far Nintendo's been kind of inconsistent about how they've been communicating about Splatoon globally. So in Japan, you have all these these Twittered posts that are being posted, you know, I think daily or at least a few times a week. Mm -hmm. uh, and those sort of came over at some point as Tumblr posts in the West. So, it, I mean, maybe they've already communicated about Splatoon Amiibo, but uh, these South African retailers think that, you know, it's coming soon or it needs to be announced already, whereas it's not announced in other regions yet. Uh, they've been inconsistent, so it's, it's possible. It's possible that the, that leak could be genuine. Um, Nintendo also seems really interested in monetizing Splatoon as their new IP. Uh, from what I understand, last year there was Splatoon merch like all over E3. Oh, yeah. I have a cute little pin. Uh, so I don't, I don't expect that that's e those are all E3 exclusives. I think they're going to be things that they try to sell in the future. So, you know, add that together with the fact that uh, we just learned that Splatoon is going to be compatible with Amiibo, and it seems like a surefire hit that they'll be uh, putting out Splatoon Amiibo. Yeah, my question, though, is if there are Splatoon-specific Amiibo, how will they use them in other games? Because one of the big selling points is of, of Amiibo is that, unlike competitors like Disney Infinity... Um, you can use each amiibo for multiple games. So if there are Splatoon-specific amiibos, I just wonder how they'll use them in future games. I would say they unlock an inkling in Smash Bros., but I know for a big number of reasons that's not going to happen. Would you say you have an inkling that that's what they'll do? Oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> this is a really punny podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> The original Donkey Kong Country trilogy is finally back on the Wii U Virtual Console in all territories. The trilogy was removed from the Wii Shop channel a few years ago for reasons unknown, but it's now back alongside all three Donkey Kong Land games on the 3DS Virtual Console. I don't know about you guys, but the thing that I thought was really cool about this, I mean, beyond the fact that these games are freaking amazing and they're finally back, is the trailer they used to launch them in North America. If you haven't seen this trailer, you should go you go on YouTube, find this Wii U Virtual Console trailer. It's a huge callback to the original Donkey Kong Country commercial from 1994, which that commercial itself mimicked Sega's anti-Nintendo ads in the whole 16-bit era. Because, uh, you know, DKC was this huge revolution in graphics technology. It looked better than Sega's 32X games, and it was available on a 16-bit console. Uh, so it was it was this big event back in '94, and it, I think it's just really cool that they that they harken back to that in the in the Virtual Console announcement. It kind of reminds me of when they first announced Earthbound on the Wii U Virtual Console, and it got uh, a full fully fledged trailer. It wasn't just some some footage slapped on uh, the Wii U gamepad like they've been doing with most of the other virtual console releases. It was really more of an event that they were releasing this game. Uh, and that's 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 the thing that I really thought was cool about the release, was it was treated like a special virtual console release, uh, which begs the question, why don't they do these kinds of releases more often with other franchises inst instead of the drip feed approach that they've been using so far? Because I got all three of the DKC games as soon as they came out. I uh, haven't been doing that with some of their sporadic releases, even some of the bigger games. Uh, it just hasn't seemed like... I haven't been excited about them. 
What about Metroid Zero Mission? Are you gonna get that when it comes out? Amazing transition because Metroid Zero Mission is coming to the Wii U Virtual Console. Uh, I'll probably get it. Uh, I, I'm one of those those bad Metroid fans who hasn't actually played the original game, <laughs> so all I feel Ooh. I feel that buying that is gonna give me an excuse. It's okay, so am I. It's gonna give me an excuse to not actually finish the NES game. I didn't I'm, realize I was on a podcast with two heathens. You didn't realize this? Yeah, I guess not. I thought I was the only heathen. Ben's not the sharpest in our bunch. <laughs> I will definitely be getting Zero Mission. I don't like it as much as Fusion, but I thought Zero Mission was a really good me- remake. Yeah, so Zero Mission is a remake of the original NES Metroid uh, with updated graphics and a whole section after the main game that introduces Zero Suit Samus for the first time. So it's a pretty cool piece of Nintendo history. You know, if you're if you're listening and you want to try out Metroid Zero Mission, uh, now's your chance. It's out in Europe right now. It's been out in Japan for some time, so it's probably headed stateside pretty soon. We'll let you know when it does. So while Donkey Kong Country is back, the cult hit game Meme Run has been removed from the Wii U eShop. Uh, Meme Run used the internet's famous Trollface as the protagonist of the game, and the Trollface image's creator, who owns the image's copyright, tried several times to contact them about paying proper royalties for using the character but the development team refused to respond, and so the Trollface creator went to Nintendo and had the game shut down until further notice. Can I just say, I didn't realize you could copyright a meme, but apparently that's a Well, thing. yeah, I mean, so copyright is, is this interesting thing where you don't actually have to go and copyright something. If you've created it, and it is originally yours, not a transformative work of something else, then you own the copyright, just because it exists. All you need to do to copyright something is created. So yeah, he, he's the copyright holder. And, uh, I mean, while an image can like go viral, uh, like a meme does, if anyone attempts to monetize it, then right, right. Then they can, I mean, they have the legal and creative authority to do that. Uh, most people don't because like, who cares? But you know, I bet the guy made the troll face when he like went to Nintendo and was like, take this game down. (laughs) Uh, but you know, I mean, as the copyright owner, it's perfectly within his his legal right, and you know when they're making a game that that monetizes the troll face. I mean, he is he he does you know I think I think it's completely fair of him to because he 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 tried to res- he tried to do this uh, in a very respectful and like reasonable way. You know, he's absolutely he contacted them and he was saying you know like let's let's negotiate. Uh, you know, I I want to be properly compensated for you guys using my creation in your your monetized game and they didn't respond. So, you know. Yeah, he's not just slapping a random lawsuit on them and Right, right. without contacting them with no context. So, this Oh, is... definitely. I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's a bizarre right, scenario. Right. It is. Yeah, especially since it's such an iconic internet image. Right. And uh, most people, you know, most people, the dev team included, probably didn't even consider that it is a copyrighted image. Yeah. Because technically all images are copyrighted, but the internet blurs some lines, some very weird lines. Some blurred lines. (laughs) (laughs) So this story comes from your totally random but really cool corner of the internet. Star Tropics, the popular Nintendo game that the entire world seems to have forgotten about, actually had totally broken music. So if you have fond memories of playing Star Tropics in the old days, then you were not actually experiencing it as it was intended. But a fan has actually fixed the problem and released a video detailing the issue and displaying the corrected music as it was meant to be heard. Alongside the video, he released a version of the game where the music plays correctly. So if you want to check out the broken music and then hear how it was meant to sound, you can check out that video at Gamnesia.com. And if you want to play the game in its unbroken glory, he released it as a ROM patch, so so if you're the emulating type, 
well, <laughs> you know what to do. If you have good old memories of Star Tropics, you can stick around because our outro music at the end of the day is, is, if I may say, a very good remix of some music from Star Tropics. A speedrunner found some new glitches that let him beat Super Mario 64 in under seven minutes without getting any stars. This is some totally crazy stuff. So you should check out the video at gamnesia.com if you've got the time. It is really wacky. I've got to say it was a little depressing watching how quickly he was able to just dominate Bowser in all three fights. I feel like I was like completely inadequate as a kid playing that game. <laughs> Nintendo says that Miiverse helps motivate people to create levels in games that feature user-generated content. So, you know, this is a pretty straightforward story. The encouragement and appreciation that you get from people on Miiverse when sharing user-made content helps motivate you to make more content. It's pretty simple. Um, I think it's certainly true. It's a nice little pro of user-generated content on Nintendo's platforms. But at the same time, there have been extremely healthy user-generated content ecosystems in the past. You know, Little Big Planet and stuff. That's the, the obvious example. So it's something neat to consider that Miiverse has this effect. But it's also not really some big revolution that Miiverse has enabled. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's neat. So I guess I'm a little skeptical that Miiverse is as revolutionary as they keep saying that it is. Not because I don't like Miiverse or anything, because I love Miiverse. Miiverse is fun. Miiverse produces great artwork. Miiverse produces great lulls. But, um... <laughs> Why can't Metroid crawl? <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. But when Nintendo first introduced Miiverse, the idea was, you know, we're going to spread the word about our games through Miiverse, and it's going to totally boost sales, and I, I'm really kind of skeptical that that actually happened. Uh, so the fact that they're th saying that taking one sort of not really as successful as they wanted it to be concept like Miiverse and wrapping it around a game that they already have used for user-generated content like Mario vs. Donkey Kong doesn't really seem like the revolutionary step that they would really need to do user-generated content right. They, I think they need to really go back to the drawing board on the whole thing. Yeah, I think the the big test is going to is going to be when we see how Mario Maker fares because, you know, obviously Mario is their biggest franchise and that's almost entirely user-generated content right there and with, you know, assets from multiple different games. So I think that's an area where they can really see if Miiverse helps spread that and helps people want to create more. Because right now I just don't think there's any game that has enough user-generated content where you can really see if Miiverse is having the kind of effect that they want it to. Right. Yeah, and right. Mario Maker would also be a good test uh, about whether a user-generated content product can exist as a standalone product and do well. Because uh, personally, I would have thought Mario Maker should have been a feature in a fully-fledged Mario game, not a standalone thing that you buy separately. Just because I don't, I don't think the audience for making Mario levels is necessarily as large when you sell it separately as the audience for people who would just screw around with the level maker if they bought in a Mario game they already owned. Well, uh, especially considering there's already like Mario Maker type programs. For PC, I mean, obviously, you've never been able to do it on an actual Nintendo console before and share with other, you know, people playing on a Nintendo console. But, you know, this this isn't a new concept of Mario Level Maker. We've seen this done on other platforms plenty of times in the past. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I had a, uh, a Mario Level Maker on my TI-86 calculator in high school. <laughs> so. so Monolith Soft held a long live stream to showcase the combat in Xenoblade Chronicles X. It's an evolution of the combat in Xenoblade Chronicles, but since I haven't played that game... I don't trust myself to properly convey this news from the stream. So with that, let's turn to Mr. Plant, our resident Xenoblade guy. So Alex? I guess I'll assume that none of you know anything about the combat system either. Uh, so Xenoblade Chronicles is sort of an action RPG, sort of a traditional JRPG. 
uh, it's an action RPG in that you wander around the field uh, in real time. There's no battle scene transition. You just encounter enemies in the field, you'll target them, and you'll engage them. Uh, typically, once you target an enemy, your character will immediately engage in auto, auto attacks, kind of like in MMOs. That was true in the original Xenoblade, uh, and it's true in Xenoblade X as well. Uh, what's different in Xenoblade X is in addition to melee attacks, all characters will also have ranged attacks. Uh, so with uh, when you're a certain distance away, you can do s- sort of quick ranged damage. Uh, you can also do ranged damage from atop cliffs or at the bottom of cliffs, and some depending on uh, where you're standing relative to the enemy, you'll do more damage based on your vantage point. Uh, so that's a, also a new feature. Another new feature in Xenoblade X is that you can attack different parts of enemies. So, you, so say you can attack their tails, you can attack their claws, and you can break parts off of enemies, sort of like in Monster Hunter. That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big... I haven't played a lot of Monster Hunter or Xenoblade, but that sounds like a really cool idea. Now, as a Zelda fan, I have to ask, will there be giant eyeball weak spots for me to target? Um... Uh, probably in most cases, no. Um, oh, that's. Oh, <laughs> I might get too confused then. <laughs> no, no, you, you need those eyeballs, and and you have to hit <laughs> I them. I need with, my eyeballs. No, but I think so, in some cases, enemies will probably have spots where if you break off the spots, you'll do more damage. But I haven't. I can't confirm that right now. Uh, okay. In addition, if you break off enemy parts, you'll sometimes get better items from those enemies. So let's say you break off a character sh- or a, a monster's shell, you might get better armor. So that's. Also sort of borrowed from Monster Hunter. Another way that you can attack, in addition to auto attacks, which, you know, could be pretty boring if that was all there was to it, is you can use arts. And arts are, you select them from a... Busta! Busta, yes, exactly. You'll select them from a panel at the bottom of your screen. Uh, There's also sort of like MMO commands. Uh, You'll have, you have four different types of arts. There's melee arts, which, you know, are like melee attacks. Ranged arts, which you can use from a distance, support arts, which can heal enemies or heal allies, and debuff arts, which can give nasty effects to enemies. So, for example, you can have an enemy flinch. Uh, each art has its own color, so they're easy to recognize on your little battle palette. Uh, and each art has its own cooldown period after you use it. So, if you use an art, you'll have to wait a certain period of time before you can use it again. The main thing to remember about the battle system is it's all about flow. So you want to quickly deal as much damage as possible by uh, using the right arts in the right order, uh, using auto attacks in between arts while they're cooling down. And one thing that they've done to make this system more dynamic in Xenoblade X is they've added a new feature called Recast. If you wait for an art to charge up a second time after its cooldown has already completed, it will become even stronger. So depending on how you space out your arts, you can do tons and tons of damage over time. Uh, So it'll be really satisfying for people who are used to the original Xenoblade flow uh, to kind of manipulate it in new ways. And do you think this combat system is, um, I mean, do you think it's inviting to new players who don't really understand the Xenoblade? Like, 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 will this, will the gameplay mechanics of Xenoblade X, do you think, given what you've seen from this stream, welcome in new players i don't know that they're any more or less accessible than in the previous game were xenoblades accessible i would say so because uh in battle there aren't uh, too many menus to sift through it's really just one bar of i think it was about eight uh abilities you can choose from in battle uh and those are the only abilities you have to manage there's no items it's just abilities arts auto attacks uh and and those are really just the main combat uh 
inputs. So from that perspective, there's not a lot of button combos to memorize. It's really just figuring out what the arts do and how uh, what what art combinations work best. So from that perspective, it's somewhat accessible. It's certainly more accessible than these RPGs with c- complex magic systems mm-hmm. with like Pokemon, for example. The, this, the rules are pretty simple, but to really memorize what all the uh, type combinations are can be pretty tricky. You don't have that in Xenoblade. Yeah, so if you'd like to watch the stream to get this information straight from the source and to see some of the awesome footage of the combat system in action, you can head to Gamnesia.com. We just posted a version of the stream with English subtitles implemented by a fan, so that is a great way to stay in the know. Fans are translating the 3DS remake of Dragon Quest VII. Square Enix has been sitting on that game as a Japan-only title since 2013, so the fans have decided to take it into their own hands to translate it uh, for Western audiences. I think it really speaks to the power of the Dragon Quest fan base, not only that this is happening, but that it's earning the attention and praise that it has. You know, if you look at comment sections on various websites reporting this, um, people are really excited and people people are really happy that this is happening. And obviously it's not going to be available in like GameStop and stuff. It's probably not even going to be available by any easy method, piracy or otherwise. Um, well, Nintendo said a few weeks ago that... They're interested in helping Japanese third-party companies bring their games to the West, and Dragon Quest VII has already sold 1.24 million copies just in Japan alone. And now we're starting to see that there's a following for it in the West as well, so I think this is one of those titles where Nintendo might be wise to maybe help them cover some of the costs of localizing it and and, uh, advertising it. That's a good point. I mean, there's no way Square Enix really thinks these people don't exist in large enough numbers to bother localizing the game officially. Is there? I mean, you know, we, we've seen some pretty big disparities with how games are performing in the West. Uh, Monster Hunter is a great example. I, I think, honestly, with digital distribution being a thing, it's insane that especially a remake of a game that already came out in the West wouldn't be localized for the West. Insane. It's insane to me. It doesn't make any sense. Because that cuts the distribution cost to basically zero. Right. You just have to certify it with the ESRB and get it certified for release on the system, which shouldn't be a problem because this game's already out in Japan. I don't, I don't get what the, what the big deal is. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see if they do anything. Nintendo is hosting Super Smash Bros. tournaments in Japan, and there's a catch. They're for amiibo only. So players have to train their amiibo in the best way possible and then enter them to fight against other amiibo. The prizes in this tournament are amiibo. Um, I think this is a really cool way to start thinking about playing Smash in new ways. I feel like a whole competitive circuit could develop out of making the most effective methods of amiibo training. Obviously, time will tell if that does happen, but it it would certainly be interesting. Yeah, I've actually thought about trying out amiibo tournaments just casually. Not even necessarily tournaments, just getting a bunch of amiibo and pitting them all against each other. I'd probably need, like, five more first, but, you know... (laughs) Because eight, eight Amiibo Smash just sounds like the greatest uh-huh. idea. You know, p- people do do that, actually. Um, if you turn items on and have your Amiibo fight each other for, like, hours at a time, they'll start farming, like, uh, CDs and custom equipment and stuff. And, like, it, it's... People do that. It's apparently a really good solution for unlocking, like, custom special moves and stuff. Ah, that's a good idea. And I think this is actually kind of a good marketing strategy for Nintendo, too, because... Based on the stats they posted a few weeks ago at their investors meeting, Amiibo really aren't taking off in Japan yet. 
Uh, 63% of Amiibo sales are from North America, and only 11% are from Japan, which is a pretty huge gap. So I think this is kind of cool that they're just having various stores across Japan host these Amiibo tournaments. So anyone, you know, coming to that store is going to, you know, see people playing with these Amiibos and watching them and everything. So I think it, it could be good for raising hype for them in Japan. And then another thing I've seen people posting in our comments a lot, actually, on Gamnesia, is that this makes them really want a Pokemon Amiibo game where you can train your little Amiibo Pokemon and then battle them against each other. You know, just, like, have them learn, you know, with AI, just like the Smash Amiibo do. See, we're already all going to spend $2,000 on the Smash Amiibo. I don't want to <laughs> spend 40000 on the Pokemon Amiibo. I Which don't have that kind do. of money. Imagine them all lining just, like, a, a shelf in your room or Stop something. Stop it, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo is selling charging cradles for new Nintendo 3DS XL online. They cost just under $10, and unlike the cradles of past models of 3DS, these ones stand your system upright. So if you've been looking for a charging cradle, look no further. The online store is also selling replacement battery covers, and the cool thing about that is that you can use them as kind of like a makeshift faceplate. So if you're one of those people uh, in America who wanted the smaller model of new 3DS, you can actually use these as like kind of, a, kind of your own custom faceplate. Um, obviously, there aren't nearly as many options, but... You can order like a red model cover for your black 3DS or like a Monster Hunter cover for your gold one. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so about that charging cradle. So I like the idea, and I don't even mind that they stand upright. What I mind is that they stand upright upside down. I'm not going to stick... Wait, what? Yeah, they, the, the charging contact uh, surface is on the top of the system. So in order for them Wait, to... Wait, what? Yeah. Like look you at, mean... Look, look closely at the image for the charging cradle. Oh, yeah, that's... I mean, that's what I expected it to look like. I don't get the problem with it. How is that upside down? The 3DS is upside down. See where the, the curved edges are? Yeah, I, I see. That's like the bottom of the 3DS, and that's facing upwards. Yeah. Well, I get. I guess. I, I, but, I would consider that. But the that problem isn't... But whatever. No, I say upside down because when I stick my Majora's Mask 3DS model on that thing, the entire surface, the artwork, is going to be upside down. Oh. And maybe this is just me being nitpicky, but I don't want a product that's going to make my Majora's Mask stand upside down. Like, I, see. I like that yeah. thing. I like the way the artwork he looks. He fought hard for his Majora's right Mask 3DS. <laughs> and I have plenty of 3DS chargers. I don't need a right. charging cradle. If I'm going to have a charging cradle, it's going to be because I think it's cool. And right now, with the way this is going, with my Majora's Mask Edition 3DS, yeah. I don't just No, don't I see what you're cool saying. But I, I have just the plain old loser black edition uh so there's there's so no this is a charger for you colin <laughs> so there, there's no design yeah there, i mean there's no design to turn upside down so that's why i didn't see see an sure. issue and i, I and yeah for most people it's not gonna right, be a big deal right but, but if uh, uh right the, the majora's mask 3ds owner might not want it the monster hunter uh 3ds owner might not want it but you know for the black and red models it, i don't think it seems to make it, it does the job i'm sure I, and it, i like i liked the idea of a charging cradle back when i used it for my old 3ds so it's it's not all bad it's just uh it's just not for me i have no strong emotions about the charging cradle i have no strong feelings one way or the other <laughs> so a uh, cool shout out to our friend artsy omni who uh you know if, you, if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while he was on he was a guest on i believe it was the second episode yeah I, i'll second that <laughs> He started this series called Smashified, and you guys may remember that Rayman quote leak uh, that, that came out a little while ago. He was behind that, and that was the first entry in his series called Smashified, which is essentially what non-Smash Bros. characters would look like if they were playable in Smash Bros. 
And uh, the most recent one that he did was Shovel Knight, everyone's favorite indie game hero. So uh, that looks super cool. Check that out at Camnesia if you haven't seen it already. It looks awesome. I know I already wanted Shovel Knight to be a Smash Bros. character one day, but it this just this just justifies it. Next Level Games is working on their next project. Uh, it might be on Wii U. Next Level is the team behind Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, uh, Punch-Out!, the Mario Strikers series, uh, and an animator from Next Level described on his website a little bit about the next game that they're working on. So they are making one. That's not really a surprise. Game development studios develop games. Um, but he did say that it's making him want a Wii U. Later, he, he removed all references to the Wii U from that description. And so people are speculating that maybe that sig signifies that Next Level Games' next project is a Wii U game. What do you guys think? Well, aren't Next Level Games a... Uh, aren't they owned by Nintendo now? No, they're, they're not owned by Nintendo, but they said a while back that they would probably only develop for Nintendo. They're not contractually obliged to, but they have a very good relationship. And they said something along the lines of, as, as far as we can tell, we don't really have any reason to work with another company right now. Mm -hmm. I see. And the fact that they've been given access to Nintendo IP makes, it, makes them even more uh, right. closely right. tied. So I think they... I think the fact that they were pulling a Wii U mention in the first place, which, you know, if they were developing a game on their own, they wouldn't have to do, suggests two things. One, that they're working on an actual project with Nintendo, not just a project Well, on it own. says, it says, the listing specifically says, um, it's a ton of fun being surrounded by Nintendo IP all day. Oh. So it is, it is a Nintendo game, and it's, wow. it's with an established franchise. Uh, so, it, you know, it's not like next level trying to make their own series and making it for Nintendo platforms. And that kind of underlines what my next point was going to be, which is if they're pulling mention of Wii U, their hands are tied by Nintendo. And so the fact that they're pulling the mention means that they're not supposed to say anything yet. If they aren't supposed to say anything yet, then, you know, they can't say what platform it's for. Yeah. Well, we'll probably see some announcement at E3. So there are a couple possibilities. It could be like a new Strikers. It could be like a Wii U punch out, you know, punch out has seen sort of a little revival lately with Smash Bros. I personally want Luigi's Mansion 3. I know it's been, you know, not too long since we saw Dark Moon, but uh, Luigi's Mansion to me is really a home console uh, series. And I think what Next Level did with Dark Moon is just phenomenal. And seeing Luigi's Mansion back on a home console in HD, that amazing animation and characterization in HD, and with the, you know, something a little closer to the open world of the original Luigi's Mansion uh, would just be so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Dark Moon, I feel like it's sort of missions-based, smaller levels worked very well for the 3DS, but... Right, it's great for a portable game. Exactly, but it, it's been a while, you know, since we had Luigi's Mansion on GameCube, obviously two console generations, and I feel like they could do a lot more with it now. You can make a much, much bigger world to explore and everything, and, and return back to that open formula, like you said. So HAL Laboratory developed a new game called Box Boy, uh, you may know how Laboratory is the people behind the Kirby series. And Box Boy has been available on the Nintendo 3DS eShop for quite some time in Japan, and it's finally coming to North America this spring. It's a puzzle game. It has a cute little square protagonist. He's got two little dots for eyes. Uh, and people go from point A to point B by creating blocks to jump on the next platform. So the levels get more complex as you go. Uh, it's, it's a nice little platformer. You can see some footage of it at Gamnesia.com, so you can uh, 
keep an eye out for it this spring. All right, so as always, to conclude the news segment of this week's show, we're bringing you a lightning round with little nuggets of information. So some upcoming dates you should look out for. GameStop Italy lists Xenoblade Chronicles X for a June 26th launch in Europe. Stores in Japan are already preparing their display booths, so it's not crazy to think Chronicles X is coming that soon. But as always, with these things, you know, don't take it too closely to heart. March 14th is just a few days away, and that's when Platonic Games is unveiling the spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie. That is this Saturday, so check in on Gamnesia.com for more information. And March 20th is when Mario Party 10 comes out alongside the Super Mario series of Amiibo and the Gold Mario Amiibo. And uh, as usual, Colin's forgotten all about Codename Steam, which launches this Friday, March 13th on Nintendo 3DS. And a few general facts from last week and some reminders for you. Mario vs. Donkey Kong Tipping Stars is out now and its launch trailer has been released. We got 50 screenshots and a new trailer for Xenoblade Chronicles 3D. So you can check both of these trailers for Xenoblade and Mario vs. DK. You can check both of these trailers out at Gamnesia.com if you're interested. Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate got its first round of DLC last Friday. So if you own the game and you want a huge expansion, including a ton of items based on The Legend of Zelda, be sure to download it. It is completely free. Nintendo is selling a refurbished Wii U bundle with Nintendo Land and Super Mario 3D World for just $225 online. That is an amazing price with one of the best Nintendo games ever made. That's 3D World, by the way. Awesome game. What? It's not Nintendo Land? not Nintendo Land? What's wrong with you? (laughs) So, if you don't have a Wii U, you should get one while this offer lasts. Also, if you're worried about the fact that it's refurbished, uh, Nintendo guarantees that the console is completely functional, and it comes with a one-year warranty. And from what I've heard, they are in basically brand new condition. Nintendo has revealed some new details on the single-player mode of Splatoon. There's nothing revolutionary in that information, but if you're excited for Splatoon, you can go ahead and find it on Gamnesia.com. There's a rumor going around that Microsoft wanted to reboot the Conquer series, but Insomniac Games, the studio they asked to do it, turned down the chance. This is pretty big news, but it is a Nintendo podcast, and Conquer is sadly not Nintendo anymore. But if you want to hear more, you can check out the story at Gamnesia. And finally, to end this week on a great note, I didn't forget the codename Steam news! Will Wheaton is the voice of Abraham Lincoln in Codename Steam. Ben, would you like to tell us why this is so fantastic? Absolutely. So we posted this story (laughs) on the Gamnesia Facebook, and our top comment says, Once again, Lincoln gets murdered by a actor. (laughs) (laughs) Made by day. Comment of the year. Well done, sir. Well done. You can tell that's a great comment because Ben sounded oh so delighted. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to give Ben emotion. Exactly. It really is. Robots generally don't feel many things. I am not programmed to love. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo week for today. But uh, we will be back in full force next week with one of our most exciting discussions yet. If you like this podcast, please subscribe either to Nintendo Week on iTunes or to Gamnesia TV on YouTube. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. It really helps with visibility, so we greatly appreciate it. Especially if you have good things to say. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even plenty of Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. And of course, that's always being updated every day of the week. And finally, if you have any questions or feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com. I will be genuinely overjoyed to hear from you. My email inbox is lonely. We will be holding a question and answer section in the podcast next week so we could really use some of your questions. 
Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. Nintendo is selling a refurbished Wii U bundle with Nintendo Land and Super Mario 3D World for just $2. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a deal. I'll buy 20. <laughs>